What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Martinez, on a Thursday, June 6th, 2019. And I can't lie, I gotta be honest with you guys, it is hotter than hell. I'm not even playing. It is so incredibly hot. It's hot outside. It feels like, and I'm, I have a pretty high threshold for heat, as I've documented on this show. I don't know why we always lead off with the weather on this show, but somehow it always finds its way uh, into the, the very first opening minutes of the Crowd Noise podcast. But I have a pretty high threshold for warm weather. In fact, I like it. I prefer it over the cold weather. Um, but it is incredible. It is blistering hot today. It doesn't help that I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt. That does not help at all. But it is, I mean, nonetheless, it is incredibly hot. In my very plush, somewhat postmodern recording studio, I'm looking around, it's a really nice setup I got going around here. It's very, very um, stylized, I should say. It is even more hot in my recording studio, my recording booth. It's even hotter in here because it's a concentrated heat. There's not much circulate there's no circulation it's very insulated so uh i could quite possibly die during the recording of this episode so um we have that to look forward to there's going to be some something uh somewhat of a surprise and i'm already slurring my speech as so those are the early signs of heat stroke so we might have something to look forward to later on the show i don't know i can't tell you i'm gonna die of heat exhaustion i mean that's something you don't plan out it'll be a surprise so if at any point throughout the show uh, i just stop talking and you hear a thud that's me just collapsing on the concrete um lining of the of our recording studio uh just go ahead and turn it off because by the time this gets out to you remember this is recorded it's not live by the time this gets out to you i'll have already passed on into the next life. But if that does not happen, which I hope it does not, because I just made a purchase. Uh, on, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I just made a purchase that I'm very excited to receive, and I'd be pretty bummed out if I died before it even reached my hands. So uh, let's go ahead and get right into the show. That, that kind of uh, kind of stretched that one out a little bit. So um, last week uh, was game one of the NBA Finals. It worked out. We were lucky enough that it just so happened that the game one of the NBA Finals fell on a Thursday, and we always do a podcast on a Thursday, obviously. Sometimes you look out. Sometimes there's things that, you know, come out on a Thursday or there's games on a Thursday night or whatever, and, you know, that works out for me because I know exactly what I'm going to talk about. It's still fresh. People are excited about it. Uh, Like game one of the NBA Finals last week, and a few weeks ago, a few months ago, actually, uh, Bryce Harper signed on Thursday morning, like right before I got, I was kind of building a show together, trying to, you know, create an outline. And then my phone buzzed, breaking news, Harper to the Phillies. And I said, well, there's the show right there. So that kind of worked out for me. And then there's other times, and this happens most often, where immediately after the episode is uploaded and it's out onto the interwebs, there's breaking news or the next day. It, It always happens Thursday night. Or Friday morning, always there's huge sports news, and I always miss it, and I have to pick up, you know, the next week. And by then, a lot of times I don't even talk about it because it's already been out for a whole week, and no one really cares anymore. So uh, we lucked out last week. It was one of the times where we got lucky, and the topics that I wanted to talk about were fresh. Um, and game three was last night. It was not a particularly fantastic game to watch. I will say that it was slightly dull. Um, the best moments of the game were when the Warriors went on runs and kind of cut it into single digits, obviously, because that's when it was, you know, the closest scoring differential in the game, and there was actually a moment of competition. It was not a great game, but, I mean, we're going to get into that for sure. Uh, this is our, I guess, mid-NBA Finals recap, because, I mean, total it's seven games. There's no perfect, you can't divide seven by two. If you divide seven, I mean, you can, but not perfectly. If you were to divide seven by two, you would get three and a half. And so three and a half, you can't play three and a half games. But if you are looking at it from this standpoint, from the, the viewpoint that I'm looking from, you play your third game, 
and then the next day is the half. So we are literally, there's no games tonight. There will be a game four tomorrow. We are literally in the halfway point of the series, the day after game three. So this is a perfect time to recap the first three games in the series and project possibly into the next four games potentially uh, of the series. Again, we don't know if it's going to go five, six, or seven games. Um, I hope it goes seven. I do think it will go seven. I have not bailed on my Warriors pick yet. And I'm not even going to be adjusting picks. I'm just really going to talk about this series. What has gone down in these first three games? And what does this mean for the ensuing two to four games of the series? Uh, and then after that, yeah, we haven't even gotten started yet. After that, uh, we got some free agency news. It never stops. In the NBA, there's, it, there's never a dry or there's never a dull moment. I don't know what I was I don't know where I was going with dry, but there's never a dull moment in NBA free agency. That's what makes the NBA the best league in America. It, there's always news, always always always. And uh, we got some more news. The Nets, what did I tell you guys? Psychic Steve is back. The Brooklyn Nets are the I mean, we're going to get into that. I'm going to pat myself on the back big time. So just get ready for that. Hopefully, for your sake, I will have died before we get to that part of the show because I am really going to gas myself up in the second part of the show. I can't wait. I feel so smart today. I feel smart most days, but especially on days like these where I've, I'm right in months in advance. So I can't wait for that. You're not going to like it, but I'm going to love it. So we have that. And then the quote of the week, always closing out the show. We got a good one this week, and I feel very passionate about this quote of the week. So we're going to have a strong end to the show. So let's go ahead and let's get right into it. Let's not waste any more time. It's already been seven minutes of me rambling on. No Led Zeppelin. I could be a rapper. I mean, I could literally be the fourth member of the Migos after that. Um, let's, I mean, I'm dying. My, my brain is, is melting. So let's, just, let's not waste any more time. Game one. We're going to recap each game one by one by one. And then we're going to talk about the repercussions of those games moving on forward. Game one. Raptors win. They go up 1-0. Somewhat of a, well, not really surprised. I picked them to go up 1-0 in the series. It felt really good about myself. In fact, I'm already patting myself in the back in the first segment of the show. So you can already imagine what the second part of the show is going to be like as far as me, you know, applauding myself, which I normally do. I do do that often. I, I will be honest. I picked the Raptors to win game one. I just felt like they were too much in rhythm and then playing their first ever finals game at home, and the Warriors had just been off for just a little bit too long, and I just felt the Raptors were going to win that first game of the series, and they did, and of course, everyone is a prisoner of the moment. Right after that first game, people are talking about how much trouble are the Warriors in, is the series over, like if anyone, if the series could ever be over after one game, shout out Paul Pierce, why would anyone even ask that? But that was a question that was being posed in the ensuing two days in, uh, before Game 2. Then Game 2, the Warriors come. And, well, Game 1, we didn't even really... That was not really great analysis. I just felt the Raptors were more in tune. And that's also not really great analysis. But their defense was quicker. They were more fluid with their rotations defensively. And it was kind of ironic because Stephen Curry, I feel, played very well Game 1. Clay played well, missed some shots, but he had a he had a decent game. Uh, Draymond played really well. Demarcus Cousins was terrible. So your three core guys right now without Kevin Durant, Draymond, Steph, and Clay, all have good games relatively, and you lose. That was kind of it. Kind of, that kind of took me aback because I didn't expect for them to all play well and them for and them to lose. I expected them to kind of be a little bit somewhat rusty and the and not even really rusty like they look just discoordinated just they weren't in the same shape as Toronto because Toronto had come off of four straight uh wins against Milwaukee they were finely tuned they had all the momentum in the world there was no way they were going to lose that first game and I just felt like the Warriors weren't going to have enough juice for lack of a better word to overcome all of that in game one and they didn't but I did not expect all three of those guys to have good games and then to still lose. That was kind of a surprise for me. I didn't really expect all three of them. I felt like Draymond would probably come out slow. 
Um, I felt like Stephen Curry was going to have a pretty slow game. Again, we all know how high I was on Klay Thompson, uh, picking him to win Finals MVP. Obviously, we're going to talk about Klay Thompson. He's a big storyline in this NBA Finals. Uh, and actually, Klay Thompson had the worst game of those three guys. He played well, but he missed a few open shots in the first half. Kind of kicked it into gear, and then by then it was a little bit too late. The Toronto just kind of had a chokehold on that game. So, you know, they win game one, you go down 0-1. Not a big deal. They come back the next game, and exactly as I predicted, they were much more fluid. Obviously, they have more experience than Toronto being in five straight NBA Finals. And they look like the older more experienced team, and they were really in control of that game throughout the duration of game two. And what stood out to me is not so much offensively. I mean, of course, offensively, they were much more efficient. They were hitting more shots. Uh, Clay Thompson had a good game too. But it was their defense. So many people overlook Golden State's defensive prowess, and that kind of bothers me because that's really their strength. If you truly watch the Golden State Warriors, yes, they run up and down. They shoot all kinds of threes. Stephen Curry's razzle-dazzle. He's so fantastic. He's so much fun to watch. But it's their defense. It's really their defense is what Golden State leans on because if you get stops and you force turnovers, what does that lead to? Transition points. So that's what leads into them running up and down the court, uh, You know, getting the defense outside of their rotations, uh, miscommunicating the that's what Golden State does. They force turnovers, and that's exactly what they did game two. They were just, it took that first game for them to kind of get back into the rhythm of things, and then they kicked it in a high gear and they were ready to go. But it came at great cost because it did cost them one Clay Thompson. Uh, tries to sell a foul off a three point shot, which I'm always, always, always going to side with the shooter. You have to give the shooter. A landing zone. You cannot undercut a shooter when they're in the air. And I don't care how you feel about it. If you think it's soft, quite frankly, you're an idiot. Because it's not soft. It looks somewhat cheesy when a guy is jumping forward into a defender and then falls backwards like he had just been shot and then gets three free throws. But again, that is called... Drawing a foul. Some of you kids are not quite familiar with the art of getting to the free throw line. And you don't like it when people or when players, they sell the foul, they get to the free throw line, and they get essentially three free points. You still have to, and this is, and not many people know this, you still have to make the free throw shots to get the three points. That's not, that's something that, not too many people are aware of anymore in our basketball culture. You still have to make the free throws. They still count all the same. You can close out on defense without leaving your feet. That's fundamental defense. You run at it, you run at the shooter, hands high, you chop your feet, and then you bring your hands down if they do do decide to pump fake and then go past you because then you won't get beat that way. If you jump, all he has to do is pump fake and then dribble right past you and he gets a layup slash dunk or three free throws as we've been discussing just right now. And if you think if you still don't like it, you say, well, I don't like free throws. I think it's soft. I think it's dumb. Shooters shouldn't be able to sell a foul that easily. I point you... To the other team in this series, the Toronto Raptors. Their best player, Kawhi Leonard, arguably the best player in the league at this point, had his season had an entire season taken away from him because Zaza Pachulia, formerly of the Golden State Warriors, undercut him and already Kawhi was already playing on an injured ankle. Undercuts Kawhi Leonard off a jump shot. Rolls over his ankle. He's done for the series. He misses the entire next season. And the rest is he goes to Toronto and the rest is history. So don't tell me it's not the game is better when we let defenders foul shooters. It's not. It's not how you play defense. You can play physical. You can. You can play relentless defense, but you can't play dirty defense. Guys get hurt that way. 
You can injure your ankle as we've seen before. You can injure your hamstring clearly. You can injure your knee. There's so many things. You can injure your hands. If you if like a guy undercuts you and you're falling, you're trying to break your fall, you put your hands down, you could break your wrist that way. And the number one thing for a shooter, obviously, or in basketball period, are your hands. It's like playing it's like being a running back in football and having bad knees. It's you you can't overcome that. If you play basketball and you have injured hands, it's it's not going to work. You can play through other injuries. You can fight through, you know, a sore knee or whatever or a sore ankle, a sore shoulder, anything like that. You can't play through an injured hand in basketball unless you're Kobe Bryant and had a broken finger and had that pop back into place. But even then that was fixed. It wasn't like his finger was permanently damaged. So we have to protect the shooters. And I don't understand why people aren't on board with shooters creating contact and getting to the free throw line. That's just smart basketball. If your defender is not smart enough to close out properly, then he should get a foul called on him. Because not only are you getting to the free throw line, you're scoring points and then have an opportunity even for a four-point play, that guy gets a foul on him. Isn't the idea to force the other team, the defending team, into foul trouble? Have you ever heard of that phrase before? You want the other team in foul trouble. And if you can get cheap fouls, quote-unquote cheap fouls, I'll take it. Offensively, I'll take a guy you know, with a cheap foul, and then I get three points, by the way. I'll take that 10 times out of 10. And if you say you won't take that offensively, I don't want you on my team because that's not smart basketball. However, it did cost Klay Thompson game three last night. It's the first time in his NBA career where he's missed a playoff game. He's been the definition of the word Iron Man in the postseason. He's never missed a playoff game in his, uh, in his career until last night. And it wasn't his choice. The team doctors had to put him in a straitjacket and throw him into a closet to keep him out of that game. I understand where they're coming from because this is the only portion of the series oddly enough, that is, that does not have two days in between games. There's a game last night, game three, and there's a game tomorrow night, Friday, game four. Every other game has two days in between. And this kind of just drove me up the wall. I was slightly unhappy with their decision, decision to put two days in between each game, not because I don't think the teams need rest, but just because I want to watch these games. And I'm sure you do as well. These are exciting. It's the NBA Finals. I don't want to wait. I wish they would play immediately after the first game is over. I wish they would just marathon it. Honestly, I'd love to watch that. I would watch seven straight games in one day. I really would. That's out of the question, but I'm just saying, I'm trying to demonstrate how excited I am to watch these games. So I was a little disappointed that there was two days in between each game, but whatever. It's not a huge deal. It really isn't. But then I saw this. Why is it just between games three and four? Did they just decide, let's just keep it a one day, not two. Just for this portion, not any other games, just just now. It makes absolutely zero sense to me. Because they've already had games... Back-to-back games in the same arena, games one and two, were played in Toronto. And there were two days in between those two games. And now we have another back-to-back, games three and four, in Oakland. And this time they're only having one day in between. It makes no sense to me. It really makes zero sense. And especially, and of course, they could never have predicted this. But there is a plus side to having two days in between. I wasn't a big fan of it. But as the series progressed, I felt, okay, this is a good thing. You give guys who are injured or hurt, because if you're injured, you're not going to be able to play. If you're hurt, you're questionable. You give guys who are hurt a chance to rest and a chance to come back quicker. Klay Thompson was held out of Game 3 because there was such a quick turnaround into Game 4. Only one day. Would he have played if there were two days in between? We don't know. But the fact that he was so close, and it was a game-time decision, literally. It came out maybe five minutes before tip-off, and Metallica was still shredding the Star-Spangled Banner, and they said, oh, by the way, 
Klay Thompson is out. If it was that close of a decision, that leads me to believe Klay Thompson would have played game three if there were two days in between. And it just frustrates me because why now? Why? I don't, and of course, this did not just come up. This wasn't a decision they made when Klay Thompson got injured. Oh, by the way, there's only one day. No, they planned this out. But I don't understand the logic behind having, by we're playing or we're having two days in between games for the first back-to-back. And then for the second one, we are not. And then everyone after that, we will have two games. Don't worry. It's just for this time. It doesn't make any sense. Did it cost the Warriors a game three win? Klay Thompson not playing? Absolutely. Because that entire game, the Warriors were playing catch-up. I don't know if it was a literal wire-to-wire win for the Raptors as far as scoring. The Warriors may have taken a lead in the opening minutes. I'm not sure. Um, But it felt very much wire-to-wire. And if it wasn't wire-to-wire, it was literally that. The Warriors just got the first points of the game, and then that was it. Because the Raptors were just in control. And the Warriors kind of got a dose of other teams' medicine. They were looking constantly all night. Stephen Curry, phenomenal career, uh, career playoff scoring high for him last night. And they really never even got close. I think the closest they got late in the second half was six points or eight points. They went on a few runs, but they never had that secondary scoring option to put them over the top and get them the lead. They, got, they made a few runs, and I will give the Warriors 110% credit because they never quit they just kept coming and that's the sign of an experienced team teams that do not fold teams that do not get discouraged and do not give up they constantly kept coming at the Raptors even when the Raptors would make a run and regain the lead and sometimes build on the game high lead the Warriors would make another run and cut it back into a very competitive game and it's just it's very ironic because the Warriors all these years have had not just second secondary scoring options they've had third fourth and fifth scoring options throughout this five-year run that they've been on and last night they only had one Stephen Curry had absolutely no help offensively Andre Iguodala while he was a big factor in winning game two didn't hit many shots last night Draymond Green rocketing the ball past people's heads just throwing the ball baseball passes makes no absolutely no sense had a not had a very inefficient game last night Played very well in the Western Conference Finals, but that was a long time ago. We're in the NBA Finals now, and he has not gotten into high gear. DeMarcus Cousins is just, I mean, it's hard for me to judge DeMarcus Cousins so harshly because of the circumstances. He's coming off of two injuries, right? He's coming off this season off a torn Achilles. And then in the playoffs, he finally gets healthy, gets back, and is a quad injury. And... To his credit, he really wasn't even supposed to play in the series. And he's out there. You know, I'll give him that much. I'll t- I tip my hat to him for playing in the NBA Finals, but he is just not, he's not up to par. He's not the DeMarcus Cousins of Sacramento. He's not the DeMarcus Cousins of New Orleans. He's not even the DeMarcus Cousins of the regular season this year. Not really his fault, but that's just the hand he's been dealt. Injuries suck. It's, it's, they're the worst thing in the world. I mean, I just feel so bad for him. He's out there. He's putting his heart and soul on the court. And it's just, it's not enough. It really isn't. And conversely, while Stephen Curry had no help, Kawhi Leonard had all the help. He had a very quiet night. No pun intended, did Kawhi Leonard. But a very efficient night. He had all the help in the world. Danny Green turning back the clock, looking like the Danny Green of old in the San Antonio Spurs. Danny Green always comes to play in the NBA Finals. That is something I want to get out of the way. He's not a very good regular season player. Maybe a bad regular season player. But when it comes time, when it matters most in the NBA Finals, Danny Green is one of your most valuable assets. Kyle Lowry, who has struggled mightily throughout the postseason, throughout his postseason career, has had struggles. He played phenomenal last night. He hit the big shots. He hit... Open shot. Every time Golden State went on a run, it seemed like Kyle Lowry and Danny Green were answering the bell. Every time Golden State hit a three and the crowd started getting up, 
and they're started they're looking like they were going to go on a huge run and take the lead. Cal Lowry, Danny Green answered, shut down the runs, and that's how they won the game. And Fred Van Vliet, he had a big shot. I will give him that much, though I cannot stand him because he is a very short individual. I have no shame in saying it. I am a height supremacist. I absolutely 110% am a height supremacist. Not a fan of Fred Van Vliet, but he hit a big shot last night. I, I cannot take that away from him. It was a huge shot. And that really sealed the deal, and the game was over. Now... Is the series over? Golden State being down 2-1. Absolutely. Wolf of Wall Street, not. If you don't get that reference, please do not watch The Wolf of Wall Street. I do not want that movie in your... If you haven't seen it already, please do not go watch it because I cannot, I cannot sanction recommending that. It's a fantastic film, but I cannot recommend it. Um, game... Or excuse me, kind of threw myself off there with that Wolf of Wall Street reference. Um, Clay, Th- absolutely not. The Warriors are not finished. Are you kidding me? Clay Thompson is scheduled to play Game Four. K- Kevin Durant, KD, is already ruled out. Do I think we will see Kevin Durant this series? I do. I think if he's not coming Game Four, I think it's almost a guarantee we will see him Game Five. Because he will need a game or two to get really back into rhythm. You don't want to throw him in there. If he doesn't play game five, he's not going to play. Because you don't want to throw him in there game six or game seven and then expect him to be Kevin Durant, the Durantula. It's not going to happen. I think we will see him game five. If we don't see him then, we're not seeing him at all. But Klay Thompson will play game four. And as I said, the Warriors made several runs. I, I lost count of how many times they cut it to single digits. They were down, I think, 19 at the most. I don't know how much they lost by. Um, It might have been a wider margin than that. But again, garbage time. We don't really pay attention to that stuff. The largest lead that they faced, or largest deficit, was like 18, 19 points, and they constantly kept coming back, cutting it into 9 points, 8. I think the closest they got was 6 or 8, around there. Very manageable. And that was in the fourth quarter with like 8 minutes left. That's that's exactly where you want to be. And that was without Kevin Durant, obviously, without Klay Thompson, without Kevon Looney, 50% without DeMarcus Cousins, really, because it wasn't game two DeMarcus Cousins. It was, it was bad. Um, so you got to feel like that's a real moral victory. I mean, I hate saying teams can take a victory out of losing, but losing in life gives you a lot of experience. Losing in life is more valuable than winning because losing translates into You don't learn anything when you win. Sure, we try to win everything we do every single day, but there are positives in losing. Losing can be a good thing if you use it correctly, and the Golden State Warriors are a very smart franchise. They will use this loss correctly. They cut it to within nine, And they were looking for that secondary scoring option. And he's coming back. Clay Thompson, he's worth at least 18 to 25 points. At least. And maybe more valuable because of his defensive prowess. And that was another thing that I noticed. Golden State just was not the same team defensively. Clay Thompson deserves a lot of credit for his defensive play. Because of the way Golden State did not play defense last night. He's so much more valuable than people give him credit for. And I do think he's going to have a big impact game four. He's not going to go for 40 or 50 or anything like that because, again, he's not 100%. But I do think Klay Thompson will be enough for the Golden State Warriors to even up the series game four, head back to Toronto, series tied. It's not over. Are you kidding me? It's the Golden State Warriors. What if Kevin Durant comes back game five and let's just say they lose game four. They go down 3-1, but Kevin Durant comes back game five. Are you willing to write out, write off the Golden State Warriors at that point? Down 3-1? Even with Kevin Durant? I would certainly wouldn't. That's how good this team is. That's how, good, that's how good they've been over the past five years. Absolutely, the series is not over. It's only going to get better. Klay Thompson will play game four. And he will be the deciding factor in that game. And we get to watch... The ensuing three games, five, six, and seven, and watch the drama unfold.
And speaking of drama, NBA free agency, while is not exactly open, it is still quite possibly the most talked about subject in the NBA. Even with the we're in the middle of the NBA finals right now, and still you cannot talk about basketball without mentioning the incoming free agency. Now we're not going to talk about the Lakers. Promise you that. Because I'm, I, it's hard for me to talk about the Lakers. It, 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 it exhausts me. It really does. We're going to talk about something that I cannot wait to talk about. I'm so excited. And I just can't hide it. The Brooklyn Nets, and it came today. Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski, reported Kyrie Irving is serious. Quote, serious. It's not a quote of the week, but it is a quote. Serious about joining the Brooklyn Nets. Now, let me address that first. That in a, in a box, by itself, without any other kind of perspective, let me address that first. Kyrie Irving on the Nets. What an absolute waste of a max contract this would be. This is one of the dumbest, one of the biggest wastes of a franchise this could potentially be. Now, again, we're looking at this isolated, without any other kind of speculation or without any other kind of logic. Just Kyrie Irving on the Nets now. You had D'Angelo Russell, and while D'Angelo Russell is a good player, he is no Kyrie Irving. But why would you have both of them together? It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. It frustrates me to a great order, and I just, to a great level, I didn't make any sense. But it, I, I just don't understand. Why would you have two ball-dominant guards in the same back? You have two point guards who both need the ball who aren't necessarily great playmakers. I don't see D'Angelo Russell or Kyrie Irving setting each other up. They both need the ball to score. They're not very good off the ball. Neither of them are very particularly great at moving the ball around. They're both capable, but they're not They're not pass first guards so they're not going to set each other up this makes absolutely no sense I would hate to see Kyrie Irving with D'Angelo Russell in Brooklyn now while I have said months in advance here comes the back padding Brooklyn is absolutely the number one free agency landing spot in the NBA no way around it not the Lakers not the Clippers not the Knicks not the Orlando Magic the Brooklyn Nets. Why? Because they're the best team among those teams that I just listed. Orlando, forget them. That was just a dumb joke. Of course, I'm talking about the big market teams. They're the best team amongst those aforementioned teams. And they play in the biggest market in America. People write them off because their name is Brooklyn and not New York. They play in the exact same city as the New York Knickerbockers. I said with the CK. <laughs> they play in the same market. Why are they not mentioned more than the New York Knicks? It makes absolutely no sense. And this, that's the theme of today. Nothing makes any sense anymore. And maybe nothing makes any sense anymore because my internal body temperature is 248 degrees Fahrenheit. Besides that point, it makes no sense that the Brooklyn Nets are not the number one, the most talked about team. They're already a good team. The Knicks are only good if they sign Kevin Durant, if they sign Kyrie Irving, and if they draft Zion Williamson, which they will not because they struck out at the NBA lottery, they thought it was a, it was a foregone conclusion. It wasn't. It's called a draft lottery. There's a reason they call it that because nothing is set in stone. So why would you want to go to the Knicks who have quite possibly the worst ownership in all of basketball outside of maybe the Los Angeles Lakers and even still... I'd probably defer it to the Lakers over James Dolan. You have the worst ownership in basketball on a horrendous, I mean, dumpster fire team. Why would you want to go to the Knicks? The Nets are already good. They just made the playoffs this year. They're a young team. They're only going to get better. They have tons of cap space. And they pushed, they pushed, they pushed the Philadelphia 76ers to six games 
They gave him a tough series. They played that series very tough, and then you're telling me Kyrie Irving on that team or Kevin Durant on that team isn't amongst the favorites in the East? Now, here's where I'm going to open things up a little bit and kind of put some more perspective. I just wanted to get that out of the way. First and foremost, Kyrie to the Nets, not a great fit. Not even a good fit. That's a terrible fit. But here's where you add some perspective. D'Angelo Russell's a free agent. He's not coming back to the Nets. He can, but it's not a guarantee. He's not under contract. The Brooklyn Nets, while D'Angelo Russell is a good player, made the all-star team this year. Again, not Kyrie Irving. Thanks, D'Angelo. Happy trails. Appreciate the all-star appearance. Enter Kyrie Irving. You have to let D'Angelo Russell go. That That frees up a ton of cap space. And oh, by the way, Brooklyn is already doing their job freeing up cap space on their own. They just traded, um, unlike maybe an hour or two ago, Alan Crabb and the number 17 pick and a 2020 first round pick to the Atlanta Hawks for Tarion Prince. A good player, good defender. Um, off the bench guy. You don't really want him starting, but he's a good defender off the bench. But he didn't trade for Tarion Prince. You traded for Kevin Durant. You traded for Anthony Davis. You didn't make this trade so you can bring on more defensive intensity because you want to be like the Clippers. Torion Prince is a young, developing player. We want him. No, they did this to free up more cap space. And now the Brooklyn Nets have two max slots in this incoming summer. Here comes the back padding. Psychic Steve, months in advance, and I might be gloating a little bit too early. They still haven't even signed anyone. But Psychic Steve, months in advance, on this very show, it's the only show I'm on, other than the Paul Feinbaum show occasionally, said the Brooklyn Nets are the best team in free agency. Why would they not be? You get the big market, you get a good team, you get plenty of money. They have a young team with expendable assets. They could get even better through a trade. Tell me this. Or let me talk to you about this scenario. Remember way back when? When it was a foregone conclusion. It was done. Kyrie and KD were going to Madison Square Garden. And they were teaming up with Zion Williamson. That was, it was done. It was all over but the the ink on the paper. And it turns out, the ink on the paper is the most important part of free agency. That's the most important part, is signing the contract. What is stopping KD and Kyrie from teaming up in Brooklyn? They were so set, and again, we don't even know. There was just the rumors. No one really knows what Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving themselves feel because it didn't come from them. It came from their camps. I hate that word, but it came from their camps that they were going to New York. They were going to go play for the Knicks because Kyrie Irving is an East Coast guy and Kevin Durant is very close friends with Kyrie Irving and wanted to play with him next season. Now Kyrie Irving is kind of backing off on the Knicks as he should. Kyrie Irving is a very smart guy. His reputation is kind of stained right now because of his Boston tenure. We forget how good of a player Kyrie Irving is. The fit was just never there. It, that happens. Sometimes you can't just insert great players onto teams and expect it to. It doesn't work that way all the time. Most of the time it does, but not all the time. There is a thing about called chemistry and fit. And it just it didn't work out in Boston. It doesn't mean he's a bad player. It doesn't mean he's a, a miserable guy. I don't know. Everyone calls Kyrie Irving miserable. He's not. He's actually very intelligent. Kyrie Irving is one of the most intelligent players in the league. That's true. I mean, it's sometimes it borders on unintelligence. The flat earth is what I'm referencing, but that was more of a sarcastic thing, more than a literal statement. Anyway, enough about Kyrie Irving's SAT scores. What is stopping them from teaming up in Brooklyn? It's the same city. It's a different name, but it's the exact same city. That's like saying, I want to go to Pasadena, but I do not want to live in Los Angeles. It's the same place. Brooklyn and New York are the exact same place it doesn't it it makes me laugh because i don't understand why people and again i get that there's 
brand recognition. I think that's the biggest part of it. The Knicks, while they haven't won a championship in 80 years, they are the bigger brand than the Brooklyn Nets. That's just a fact. Like the Lakers are a bigger brand than the Los Angeles Clippers. I almost said the Brooklyn Clippers. I'm dying of heat stroke. Here we go. Um, I get that's the situation, but these players aren't fans. They're not focused on reputation. They're not focused on history. They're focused on who's best suited to win a championship today. And that's the Brooklyn Nets. The only thing the Brooklyn Nets are missing are a perennial all-star wing. I've told you this. I would like to see if if this would be a consolation, but it'd be a great consolation. Jimmy Butler on the Nets. I don't think that's outside of the realm of possibility. The only thing they're missing is a wing. They have D'Angelo Russell slash Kyrie Irving. They'll have to get rid of D'Angelo Russell if they want Kyrie Irving. But you have a star point guard. You have a great big man, Jared Allen. I mean, he does not get enough credit. One of the best rim defenders in the NBA right now. And he's only going to... He's so... How old is he? Like 23? Jared Allen is... He's a great player. I really like Jared Allen a lot. Best Afro in the NBA, bar none. Then you have great depth. You have Karis Savert. You have Spencer Dinwiddie. You have Joe Smith. Joe Harris, excuse me, Joe Harris, they have a great team, but they're missing that wing. I think Kevin Durant on the Nets now is a great team with D'Angelo Russell and Jared Allen and no one else. I think that is a contender in the East. But you had Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. That is one to two seed in the East, even if Kawhi stays, even with Milwaukee, and even whatever Boston decides to do, because you can never count those guys out. They're so well run. And then, here's the icing on the cake. They can trade for Anthony Davis and create the next super team in the National Basketball Association. Flip Jared Allen, because you don't need Jared Allen if you have Anthony Davis. You don't. Flip Spencer Dinwiddie, the greatest basketball player in the history of this universe. You flip uh, your your future first-round picks, depending on how many they have. Because they just gave away two to Atlanta. But you flip your young assets to New Orleans. And New Orleans, is it's mostly Gail Benson. But she is dead set against trading to the Los Angeles Lakers. She hates big markets. So would I if I didn't. Yeah, so um, she hates big markets. She hates Los Angeles. Part of the Ram. Mostly it's the Rams fault for the past interference. But she hates the Lakers as well. Does not want to trade to the Lakers. That doesn't mean it's absolutely not going to happen because uh, David Griffin is in charge, but it kind of dampens you know, the expectations on that. Brooklyn could insert in themselves into the Anthony Davis sweepstakes. Now, all of a sudden, you have Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and Anthony Davis in the East. Tell me the Brooklyn Nets aren't the favorite to win the championship next year with that big three. Are they? Who do you have to face in the East? A scrappy Milwaukee team, sure, but they don't have the star power that Brooklyn would. Philadelphia, they can't shoot a three to save their lives. Brooklyn would have an excess of three-point shooting with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, so they'd win that series. Boston, again, wouldn't have the star power and that Brooklyn would have, so I, don't, I couldn't in good faith pick Boston over Brooklyn in a seven-game series. In the West, who would they meet in the finals? A shambled Golden State Warriors team without Kevin Durant? Maybe. It'd be an interesting series, but I'd still defer to the big three in Brooklyn over Golden State. The Splash Brothers, because they'd be missing that third piece. Houston, who's, I mean, they're they're getting ready to blow it up. Mike D'Antoni's his last season potentially coaching ever. So... It'd be a stretch to say they're getting out of the West. The OKC, they haven't gotten out of the first, second round in the past three years. The Lakers, be a shock if they made the playoffs. So Brooklyn is setting themselves up beautifully for the summer of 2019. I can't wait. Because Psyche Steve called it again. Brooklyn is the place to be. They have tons of cap space. They already have a good team. And they're already drawing interest from Kyrie Irving. And again, it's June 6th. Free agency doesn't open until June 30th, 6 p.m. Eastern time. What's going to stop Kyrie Irving from dialing the phone and calling Kevin Durant?
time for the quote of the week. Let's get it done in a hurry. I, I'm about to die. So let's let's get let's get this over with. Let's get this done as soon as we can. Therefore, stop stalling, Stephen. That's what that means. Quote of the week: We get the best quote from the previous week, and we put it at the end of the show. Therefore, it is called the quote of the week. Our innovation department. They're just always making these fantastic names. I mean, fantastic. I mean, it's, it's just great. Let's get into it. Quote, hopefully they ban him from all NBA games forever. Kyle Lowry on being shoved by minority owner of the Golden State Warriors, Mark Stevens. You may have noticed last night, and if you didn't notice during the game, you definitely noticed on social media. Kyle Lowry, while diving for a loose ball out of bounds, was shoved by a fan sitting courtside in the front row and was shouted at with obscenities. That sounded so old-fashioned. He, he was attacked with vulgar language, language and literally attacked by being shoved by a fan. Now you might say, so what? Who cares? He's a big, strong athlete. That fan's not going to hurt him. The big deal is... This has gone too far. We had a similar situation, not a similar, we had the same situation earlier in the season with Russell Westbrook and the Jazz. There's a Jazz fan who was screaming racist heckles, I get, not even heckles at that point, racist obscenities at Russell Westbrook, and that became a big topic of conversation. He was banned from all, the Jazz fan was banned from all Jazz games forever, and I thought that was too light. Should have been banned from all NBA games for the rest of his life. They didn't take it that far. And they took a step backwards with minority owner Mark Stevens. He's banned from all NBA finals games. Not all Warriors games, but just not all NBA games, just this series. The league has to take a stand. They have to send a message because this has happened already twice this season where it's been a huge story. It happens every single night, but only in certain instances does it really blow up and it shouldn't get to that point. This fan literally reaches over like two people, reaches over two seats and shoves Kyle Lowry. That is absolutely unacceptable. There should never be a reason... There is no reason why a fan should physically encounter a player. It's, I mean, and just because he's a minority owner and he's an investor does not give him any sort of free pass. I think the league whiffed on this one. They took this very lightly. They should revise this. Not only should he be banned from NBA games forever, they have to send a message because people are just going to keep doing it. They're going to keep trying to get away with, with these actions the jazz fan he can still go to nba basketball games he can follow russell westbrook around the whole entire country as long as it's not in salt lake city this fan mark stevens just has to wait till next october and he can go right back into the golden oracle or it's not even oracle arena anymore but he's going to go back to warriors games and for him to do something like this on national television and excessively reach over. And he made it a point that he wanted to shove Kyle Lowry. There was Kyle Lowry didn't jump into his lap. He jumped in his relative area, I guess. And this fan went out of his way to push Kyle Lowry. What's going to stop him from doing it again? Not much. Not only should he be banned for the rest of his life from all NBA activities. That includes all-star games, all regular season games, postseason games. He should be forced to remove his stake in the Golden State Warriors. Now, what? listen to what I said there. Remove, not sell. I find it, it's, it's such a, it, it makes me roll my, I can't even think of the words to describe how little of a punishment it is to force someone to sell their team or sell their stake. They're making money. Donald Sterling, after his racist comments, made $2 billion after he sold the Los Angeles Clippers. What kind of a punishment is that? This investor, he's a billionaire, I assume as well, will probably make not a billion dollars, but he'll make a a couple million. He'll make good money if he sells his stake 
if the league forces him to sell a stake, he should be have to he should be forced to relinquish the rights or his rights to the team, and he should never be allowed into another basketball game for the rest of his life. The league has to protect their players. I can't let people like this continue to come in games and continue to really get away unscathed. You wouldn't do this in broad daylight on the street. You wouldn't go up to someone and shove them and start screaming at them. That's actually called assault. It's actually a crime. But because he did this in a basketball environment, because he was influenced by the heat of the game, he just can't come to any more games for two weeks. It's unacceptable. The league has to do something um, much more drastic and address this issue because you don't want it to truly get it. What happens if we have another malice at the Palace then? The player's going to be suspended, probably kicked out of the league, something to that extent. We expect the players to constantly control their emotions when outside forces are influencing the game. It's, it's unacceptable. The league has to defend their players. And that's how I feel about this. This is not, it's not good enough. This punishment is just, quite frankly, it's not enough. They need to do more. And they can do more. There's nothing stopping them from saying you're banned forever and you have to relinquish your rights to the team. If the league truly cares about their players, they will fix the punishment dealt to Mark Stevens. That's the end of our show this week. Uh, Please always subscribe, follow on... Apple Podcast, Anchor, if you're, if you're listening on Anchor, go ahead and share with your friends. If you're on Apple Podcast, share with your friends. It means a whole lot. Let's grow the community. Let's make this the crowd noise army and not the crowd noise battalion. <laughs> it's not even a battalion, but it's, it's just me and like 14 other people. But let's, let's grow. Let's make this an army. Let's make this the crowd noise army. Uh, game four, tomorrow night. I cannot wait. Tomorrow, 9 Eastern. I don't like how late the games are. It's like, man, they should just make it. Make it one hour earlier. Make it at 8. Like 9 Eastern, that's, it's, it's just way too late. I have to wait. It just feels way too long. But again, I'm not in charge as much as I'd like to be. So uh, watch Game 4 tomorrow night. Talk to you guys next week. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to make a revision uh, to the quote of the week. As I was recording the show, the Warriors extended the punishment to... Mark Stevens, a minority owner, they banned him from all Warriors games for a year and fined him, let me check on this really quick, they fined him $500,000, which again is not, as far as I would go, I would ban him for all from all NBA games forever, but they did extend his punishment from just being banned from all finals games to banned from all games for a year and they did find him $500,000 still not as far as I would have gone but I did want to let you guys know um, that the Warriors did update their punishment I didn't want to let that just go I did a whole 10 minute segment on it for quarter of the week so I wanted to make sure I got that correct Um, again not what I would have done but not a big deal well it is a big deal but I can't control can only control what you can control so Uh, That is officially the end of this episode, so I'll talk to you guys next week.